Once again, I appreciate the, the good music, and uh, it's a blessing uh, to be able to uh, just be part of a live service. I'll tell you, it's, um, it's a blessing, and uh, it's uh, always a blessing to be here in Auburn at uh, Freedom Baptist Church, and uh, so if you would look with me, uh, we're going to look at several verses really quickly, um, as soon as I turn my mic on, that is. So we're, we're going, but we're going to look at uh, several verses very quickly, um, and, then, and then we'll get into the message. So I don't know if you guys want to put all these up there, maybe not, because we're going to do them real quick. But uh, we'll start with uh, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1. I will say that I appreciate the guys that, uh, that know all this technology. Us uh, technologically challenged and ignorant uh, kind of hold them back, but uh, I am thankful for them. So Romans chapter 1 and verse number 1. We read there, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated onto the gospel of God. And then uh, over to Titus chapter number 1. The book of Titus, chapter number 1. Titus, chapter number 1, and again, verse number 1. Titus 1, verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and, to the, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. And then James, chapter 1, right after Hebrews, the book of James, James chapter 1, uh, James 1, and again, verse number 1. You see there, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And then 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. And 2 Peter chapter 1, also verse number 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And then uh, finally Jude chapter 1, just before Revelation, the book of Jude. Uh, there's just one chapter, so Jude, uh, and then uh, the first verse. Jude the servant of Jesus Christ, the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. And if we could uh, just pause for a moment to pray and then we'll, uh, then we'll continue. Our Heavenly Father God, we're thankful, Lord, that, uh, uh, that we have freedom here to meet and to preach and to, uh, to learn and study your, your word. And I pray, Father, that you would bless our time here that you would use this time to be an encouragement, to be a help. I pray, Father, that you would just uh, uh, bless this time, and I ask that you'd help me with the power of the Holy Spirit of God, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And so what we see here, the theme, the underlying theme of each of these, they identified themselves first as servants, and then they identified the people who they were serving, and these were various groups uh, depending on where they were at the time. But uh, So we want to talk about exalting servants tonight, exalting servants. And 
You know, we live in a world now that is very success driven, is it not? And it's very, uh, uh, very goal oriented. Everyone strives to achieve this success. They want to be great. They want to be known as successful. And that's what drives people. And, uh, uh, but that's opposite of what we read here as far as the way uh, the world would think about things. They wouldn't think about servants being successful. Uh, but in, in fact, they truly are. And, you know, if you think about perhaps going to a high school reunion after many years. Some people get quite nervous about this because they see the, the, their old friends and they're, they're worried that they've been more successful or something, and people really think this way. And uh, so, you know, if you could think about it, you go to the reunion and you see your old high school buddy, and hey, what have you been up to? And he says, well, I'm a, I'm a successful cardiac surgeon and I operate on uh, three, four people every day and save their lives. And a, another one says, I'm a successful attorney. I have my own law firm now. And, and another guy says, I'm a millionaire businessman. I started a business from nothing and I built it up to this. And, and they say, what about you? And you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a servant. And they would look at you and say, a servant, that's it? You know, and that's opposite. Uh, that's how the world thinks, but it's opposite of the Bible. And it's opposite of what the Bible teaches. And so that's why I say exalting servants, because it's the servant that God will exalt. It's the faithful that God will exalt. And that's what I want to, uh, to talk, about, uh, uh, talk about tonight. And uh, you wouldn't think much of a servant if you were just from the, from the basic way that the world thinks. But that's not how God thinks. And we're going to see that today. And, uh, uh, but I, I want to look at four reasons tonight, four reasons why you should want to be a servant. Why you should want to be a servant. Uh, first of all, if we could look at 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and verse 15. So 1 Timothy chapter number 1 and uh, verse uh, 15. Uh, Paul here writes to Timothy and he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came, uh, came into the world to save sinners. And the last phrase is what I want you to see, what Paul says, of whom I am chief. And so the first reason that we should want to be a servant is because of our own depravity because of our own depravity. See, Paul understood that he was a sinner. He said, not only am I a sinner, but I am the chief of the sinners. He said, Christ died for sinners, and I'm the worst one. And Paul said that because he knew what his life had been like. And he knew who he was before the grace of God saved him, before he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and surrendered his life and said, Who art thou, Lord? What wilt thou have me to do? And up to that point, he knew how he lived his life. And each one of us knows that. Now, I wasn't saved until I was 21 years old. And uh, for a while there, I was a pretty rotten guy and not the kind of guy that you'd want your, your children to be friends with or your daughter to marry. It's just, a, it's just a fact. I was that kind of a person until God saved me, until one day my best friend, mother told me about Jesus Christ and I trusted Christ as my Savior and he cleaned me up, he forgave my sin and made me a different creature. And uh, so I can look back and say the same thing as Paul, I was the chiefest, I was the chiefest of sinners. And we have to understand that. If we're going to be servants, we have to understand not where we came from, but where God brought us from. 
and where we were before God uh, picked us up out of the garbage heap, really, and, and, uh, and did something for us. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 9, Paul said that he was the least of the apostles. Paul never thought himself to be great because he knew Paul was great, was he not? He was the greatest Christian besides the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think there was. But he never thought himself to be great because he knew who he was and who he would still be if it weren't for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he said, I'm the, le I'm the chiefest of sinners. I'm the least of the apostles. Now, why did he say he was the least of the apostles? Because of what he did. If, if we, well, let's, let's even go over there and just read that so that we have, a, have an idea here of what's going on. So chapter number 15 of 1 Corinthians and verse number 9, uh, it, he says there, uh, verse number 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. Now, Paul was killing Christians, and he was, on, he was on the way to Damascus to do that very thing when God saved him. So he said, I'm the least of the apostles, and he says, I'm not even worthy to be called that. I'm not even meet to be an apostle, because of what I did to the church, because of how I lived, because of how I was against God. And so he he understood uh, his depravity, and because he understood the the, his own depravity and all that God did for him, he said, I must serve God. I must be a servant. And so he was serving God because of his depravity, because of where he was and where God brought him to. And so he understood that, and each one of us needs to understand that. We may not all have some uh, soiled past that, that, that we could tell about, but each one of us, at one point in our life, was a sinner that God saved, a sinner that was on their way to hell without Christ, but then God saved them. And so each one of us needs to understand that God brought us from slavery to sin, to a point where he could save us. And that's important that we understand that. And now the second thing, so uh, our depravity, our depravity, who we were and what God has brought us from and to should make us want to be a servant. It should make us desire to serve God. And then if we could look at the book of Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 14 Romans 1.14, here Paul writes this. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and the to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. And the, par the part I want you to see is the very first part of that verse. He says, I am debtor. First he said, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And then he said, I'm a debtor. So our depravity, first of all, and secondly, our, our debt. We owe a debt to God. Now, we could never pay that debt. It's impossible to pay. Now, uh, in our world, when we buy a house, we usually have to take a mortgage and we borrow money from the bank and then you get a, uh, you get a schedule of how much you have to pay back and what day you have to pay it back and how many years you're going to be paying this back before the debt is paid. And it's the same with a car. Uh, oftentimes with a house, it would be 30-year commitment. A car might be three to five years or something. And uh, so you have this debt, but you have this schedule. And at the end of this schedule, there's a time when you can say, I will have paid the debt. And the house or the car or whatever it is will be mine. But in this case, Paul understood that this was a debt 
that he never could pay back. No matter how hard he tried, no matter what he did, no matter how much he served God, he knew that it was a debt that he could never pay back. And how can you put a price on your salvation? That's what Paul's saying here. I'm a debtor. I owe I owe to God, and because I owe to God, I owe to the Jews, to the Greeks, to the wise, the unwise, the barbarians. I owe those people to tell them so that they'll know what I now know, so that they can experience what I experience, so God can take them from a place of depravity to a place of service, and, and, and like he did for Paul. And so Paul said, I have this debt, and I have to pay it back. He says, but the problem is I could never pay it back. And that's why you saw Paul, so as we, if you study his life in the scriptures, that's why he was so tireless and going everywhere he went and preaching and not, and, not having to, and not worrying about his own life and whether he would lose it. He never worried about that stuff because he understood that there was a debt that could never be paid. And so he was going to do everything he could while he could to try and in some small way make up for that. Uh, he did all those things in the past. We've done all those things in the past. God has forgiven us. God still saved us. God still saved Paul. And uh, I, I think that if you think back on it, I think back on when God saved me and, and how I was living and who I was. And I think, why did God even look at me, much less save me? Why did God even give me a second thought, much less save me? But he did. And so how could we ever pay that debt back. How could we ever do it? it, it it's, it's not possible to be done. And uh, Paul understood that. And here's the, here's, the, here's the real blessing. If we go forward a little bit to chapter number five of, of Romans, here's the real blessing about it. Um, and that is that uh, God didn't ask us to do better first. He didn't ask us to do better first. Look at chapter 5 and verse number 8. Or verse 7 we'll read along with verse 8. So, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Verse 8, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. And so, you know, the world's philosophy is you do a little bit better and we'll meet you halfway, you know, that kind of thing. And I remember uh, um, in the early days in Belarus, we were, we were working with these alcoholics and we were trying to help them. And people that uh, weren't the alcoholics but knew the people and knew their life and that, they would say, why are you trying to help those guys? They won't help themselves. Make them help themselves. And after they start doing better, then go in there and help them. That's what they used to say. And, and that's the way people think. And that makes sense in, 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 a, in a human type of setting. But God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. God didn't come to us and say, now, Jeff, here's, here's, here's five things that I want you to do better on. And after you do better on these five things, we'll meet again, we'll talk about it, and we'll see. That's not what God did. God looked at Jeff Christian and he said, I love you and I am going to send my son to die for you as you are, like you are now. And, and Paul understood that. And that's why he said, I'm a debtor. I could never pay this back. And you should never, Never be ashamed. Uh, uh, it, also in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, he says, um, 
I think it's, yeah, chapter 1, verse 16. I was in chapter 5 still. So chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, uh, of, the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, I'm not, he said, I'm not only debtor, he said, but I'm not ashamed to say that I'm a debtor and I'm not ashamed to, to give the gospel to other people because it's that important and it means that much. And we should never be ashamed. We should proudly proclaim Christ, proudly say that we're a servant of God and, and, and proudly proclaim the gospel of God. Can, can, and, and so I ask you, can we do anything less? All that God's done for us to save us, can we do anything less than, than give God all we can and be his servant. Uh, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, the answer would be no, we cannot. And so we see, uh, we see, first of all, because of our depravity, our own depravity should make us want to be ser uh, servants of Christ. Uh, our debt that we could never pay back to God should make us want to be servants of Christ. And then if we could turn to Philippians chapter number two, Philippians two, And uh, we'll read there verses 5 through 8, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Uh, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so the third thing I would say is because of Christ's demonstration, his own demonstration. He demonstrated what it was and what it means to be a servant. And so here it says, we see in verse number 8, he, he was found in the fashion of a man. Why? Because he humbled himself. And so uh, he demonstrated the humility of a servant. And, and uh, so he, he, was, he was demonstrating. Now think about this. The Son of God. Now you read Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. You read John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And back in Genesis chapter 1, that's the Lord Jesus Christ that created the world. So the holy God that created the world humbled himself and took on this sinful flesh and became a man and lived among sinners. And, uh, and not only did he do that, but he did that willingly. He demonstrated what it is to be a servant. The Bible says he was made lower than the angels. He became sinful flesh. He was obedient. He was obedient in everything he did. And then it says in verse 8, he, was ob he became obedient unto death even the death of the cross, the worst, most humiliating way to die, the death of the cross, most painful way to die. That's why the Romans did that, because it was painful, and they, and, and, uh, and they wanted the punishment to be severe. And so Christ took on the most severe punishment of his time, 
and died for the, for the sins of the world uh, as a servant. And, and not only the most painful way to die, but it also is the most humiliating way to die. Because you're, they lifted him up on that cross and he was up high and everybody saw him. Everybody knew, uh, knew who he was. He was there. He was naked before the world and all these things. And he did this knowing that this is what was going to happen because he was God. But he said, still, I will do this. He humbled himself and became obedient even to the death of the cross. Uh, and, and so it's a tremendous, tremendous thing when you think about all that Christ did. Now, look with me, if you will, to John chapter 13, the Gospel of John and chapter number 13 and uh, verses 4 through 9. We'll read these verses here. Uh, chapter number 13 of John, verses 4 through 19. Uh, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. And so uh, here Jesus Christ is humbling himself, the son of God, the sinless son of God, to wash the feet of these, of these 12 apostles, these disciples of his. He's up there after the Lord's Supper in the upper room, and he's washing their feet. And uh, now, now, in those days, they didn't wear shoes, they wore sandals, and the roads didn't, they didn't have concrete and asphalt and that, so the roads were dusty and dirty, and so a fellow would come, person would come to a home, their feet would be quite dirty. Now, I, I, um, my, my grandchildren were out playing yesterday, uh, my son-in-law was mowing the grass, and they were out playing, and they came in from playing, they were in their bare feet and their sandals and things, and they came back, and let me tell you, their feet were nasty. They had dirt, they had grass stains, I mean, it was nasty. And, uh, and uh, uh, now you think about someone coming to a home, 12 of these guys, and their feet are nasty like that. And Jesus bowing down and washing their feet. Just washing their feet and saying, not only am I doing this, he said, Peter, if I don't do this, you'll have no part with me. Peter, he understood that Jesus was the son of God. So he said, don't wash my feet. That's not right. But he said, yes, it is right. Because he was demonstrating servitude. He was demonstrating what it was to be a serv servant. And so he washed the feet of sinners. And, uh, uh, and then look at the... Uh, Chapter number 12, one chapter back, verses 25 and 26, just one page over, uh, verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall, my, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, he will, him will my father honor. And so Jesus makes this statement, the honor of a servant. 
The honor, those that serve God will be honored by God the Father. Those that serve Christ, those that faithfully give the gospel, those that faith, are faithful to those that God has given them to serve, they will be honored by God. And, and uh, now that's, an, that's, quite a, that's quite a thing too for God the Father to say, I'm going to honor you for something. And what is it we have to do? We have to be servants to receive that honor. And so Christ demonstrated to us what, uh, what it was to be a servant. He demonstrated it in his humility in becoming a man. He demonstrated it in washing the disciples' feet. And almost every day, if you read the Gospels, his life was a demonstration of service and what it was to be a servant. He didn't come as a king. He didn't come expecting all kinds of things. He was a humble carpenter and a servant all of his life. And uh, he was giving us that example. And so Christ's demonstration should make us want to be a servant. Um, our debt that we have that we cannot pay should make us want to be a servant. And our own depravity, our sin that God forgave while we were yet sinners, should make us want to be a sinner, I mean, um, a servant. And then, uh, um, fourthly, if we'd look at John chapter 19, the Gospel of John, chapter number 19. I'm sorry, not John, Matthew, my, my mistake. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter number 19. Matthew chapter 19, and we'll read verse number 30. He said, but many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And so not only Christ's demonstration, but Christ's declaration of a servant the declaration that Christ makes about servants. And what he said here, as we look at it as, as human beings, as we said in the beginning about striving for success and greatness and all that and, and uh, people looking up to us, this makes no sense in verse number 30 because the first are last and the last are first. We all strive to be first on this, uh, on this, uh, on this earth. We want to be first. We want to be best. We want to be greatest. The disciples, they argued about that a lot, didn't they? Who was the greatest? Who's going to sit next? to Christ, all that kind of stuff, but, uh, but that, that was, they missed the point. Christ made this declaration here, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. It's backwards. See, and that's, uh, and at the very beginning, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, Peter, a servant of Jesus Christ, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, James, a servant of Jesus Christ. You see, they understood the value and the importance of being a servant, and Christ made this declaration. You see, the order of honor is not first to last, but it's last to first. And it's, it's not, uh, and the first, the guy who comes first, oh, get in the back of the line. Oh, you in the back, come on right up here to the front. Because uh, you're the servant, you're the faithful one, and so, um, uh, so that, so the, so the least are greater. Look at Luke chapter nine, verse forty-eight. Luke chapter nine and verse forty-eight. And he said unto them. Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whoever, receive, and whoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you, the same shall be great. And so the least are the greater. 
Now that's also backwards, isn't it? Because you'd think the ones that are the most talented and the smartest and the ones that are rich and most successful, those are going to be the great ones. But it says the least, those that are less, they're going to be greater. And it, it, it's all backwards, see, because it's not about talent. It's not about what kind of talent you have. It's not about being the smartest person. I'm glad for that because I'd be in trouble if it was. But it's not about the smartest person. And it's not about having talent. And it's good to have those things. And it's good to be smart. And if the Lord, you, you give those to the Lord to use, that's great. But that's not what it's about. It's about having the humility of a servant. It's about having the humility of a servant, like that publican who smote his breast and wouldn't even look to heaven, but said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then over here was that, uh, that Pharisee that said, I'm glad I'm not like that, uh, that uh, publican there. And, and, and uh, now, which one is, which one is greater? The, the publican that said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The least will be greater. And, and uh, that's all backwards. But, uh, but that's, uh, that's a fact. If you want to be great, you've got to be the least. If you want to be uh, first, you've got to be last. If you want to be great, you have to be a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ, a servant to God. We have to be faithful there. We have to have that humility of a servant. Uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew 25. And uh, Matthew 25, verse number 21 Matthew 25, verse 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make you the ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then skip down to verse 23, talking to another fellow. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter into Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So these guys were given a few things. And they were faithful servants among, with those things that they were given. And then when it came the time of reckoning, uh, he said, you were faithful with the few things I gave you. Now come and get your reward. You were the least out here being a servant, but now you're going to be the greater. You're going to be in the front of the line. You were in the back of the line, and you didn't have any problem with that. You were a servant, and now you're going to be in the front of the line. And, uh, and then there was the wicked one. He said in verse 25, I was afraid. I went and hid my talent in the earth, and lo, there... Thou hast that is thine. And the Lord answered and said, Thou wicked, slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchanger, and then coming I should have received my own with usury. Therefore take the talent from him, give it to them which have ten talents, for every one that... Uh, for every one that hath shall be given, and he, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not, it shall be taken away, even that which he hath. Because he was not a faithful servant, he lost what he had. Those that had a little, but they were faithful, they received more. And so that's the, the declaration of, of, of Christ about servants and being a servant. And uh, so just quickly then, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. And uh, so we'll, we'll read uh, verses 1 and 2 uh, of chapter number 4. So let a man account of us 
as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We talked about this earlier. It's not talent. It's not being smart. It's not all these things, but it's it's humility. And it's here, he said, uh, it's required in stewards that they have a lot of talent, that they have a lot of money, that they're very successful. That's not what it says. It says that a man be found faithful. You want to be a good servant of God? Be faithful. You want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ to where he will be, he will be happy? Be faithful and uh, use the things that God has given you. Because God has a way of taking the little and making it much. Just like he has the way of taking the least and making them greater, he takes the little and makes it much. And so uh, faithfulness, the only requirement, that's the only requirement of a servant, faithfulness. God does the rest if we're faithful. And uh, Paul was faithful and God blessed him. Now, Paul didn't have any special powers. He had the power of the Holy Spirit. God gave that to him. Why? Because he was faithful. Because he was faithful. Paul was not uh, uh, not of great stature. He was probably short. He had, he had physical ailments. He had difficulties. But he was faithful, and God used him and blessed him. And he was one of the greatest Christians who walked this earth and wrote most of the New Testament. And, and, uh, and uh, it was be- God used him because he was faithful. And so we need to we need to we need to want to be servants because of our depravity, because of our debt, because of the Christ demonstration, the demonstration of Christ of what it is to be a servant, and the declaration of Christ what it is to be a servant. And if we'll do these four things, God will uh, use us, and God will bless us, and uh, and uh, we will uh, we we will be the least here, but we'll be the greater in heaven. And so uh, there's no reason, if you think about it, there's no reason that God should think about us, much less uh, love us and much less send his son to die for us. There's no reason because we're, God is holy, righteous, incapable of sin, and we're everything that's opposite of that. Yet God still loved us. There's no reason for it. It defies logic. And we owe God a debt because he showed us mercy when we didn't, didn't deserve mercy, and he saved us. And uh, if, I worked, if I personally worked three, four lifetimes, I could never pay back all that God did. Probably ten, ten lifetimes, I could never pay it all back. Uh, our debt is just too large to ever pay it back. And Christ showed us what a true servant a true steward is, and through his humility and through his obedience, he demonstrated that for us, that we could see it. And then uh, uh, the order of reward, not like we would think. Not like you would think, the greatest is first, but no, the least is first, the first is last. It's backwards. And uh, the small, the weak, the foolish, the simple ones, those are the ones that God uses. Those are the ones that God uses. Because otherwise... We would say, oh, well, it was, my, it was my brains that got this done. It was my great talent, my great personality that got this done. But God uses the weak and the foolish so that we can only say, God did this. 
God did this. And so we should want to be servants for these four reasons. And uh, so uh, let's pray, and then we'll turn the service back over to uh, Pastor Dunbar. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your love that you saved us while we were yet sinners, that you loved us while we were yet sinners. And thank you, Lord, that you saved us and that you're willing to use us. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us to be faithful, to be servants that would be pleasing to you and servants that, uh, Lord, uh, that you could use to see others come to Jesus Christ. And Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.